0: Welcome to another edition of the Little Bird Podcast. My name is Dan Ledbetter, and with me, as always, the talented, amazing founder, CEO, and resident mama bird of Little Bird Marketing, Priscilla McKinney. How are you, Priscilla?
1: I'm great. How are you doing, Dan Ledbetter?
0: If I was any better, I'd be you. How about that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the world awaits two of us.
0: (laughs) I I know. I'm surprised they even let us on the same uh, bandwidth. At right. The same time.
1: Well, as we know from the Chinese, we're currently clogging it.
0: Apparently so. Apparently so. so. Well, Priscilla, so what has been going on? Tell me a little bit about what's been happening over there at uh, LBM, as we uh, like to call it.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. I'd like to turn the tables a little bit on you this morning because you have such a tremendous uh, background in writing. And I, oh. it, it keeps coming up for me, these ideas of writing. I'm talking with clients Constantly about copywriting, you know, whether it's on their web or it's a right. customized letter, and I got to thinking, there's so much that you and I could talk about. And I'm sure you could offer a lot because of your years and years of experience in in writing for clients.
0: Sure. Well, let me uh, <clears throat> let me situate myself to be interviewed. Hold on. <clears throat> <laughs> Is there a special
1: position for that?
0: Yeah, I usually lie on the floor. <laughs> okay. Do that. So, oh. so go ahead, shoot. Ask me anything you want.
1: I have been talking with a lot of clients about Mm -hmm. native advertising.
0: Yes, actually, I've noticed a lot of native advertising of late as well. I've been seeing a lot of commercials and ads for uh, Indian casinos out here.
1: (laughs) Okay, not that kind of native advertising.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) My, are you sure you want to interview me? Maybe that's not the best thing to do. I don't oh, know. You know
1: what? That is like really funny because we sit in a unique geographic area where we are surrounded by Native American casinos. Oh,
0: really? And
1: so, yeah, I've done a lot of work with casinos, and you know, it's just it that that was pretty funny. But, but no, but that
0: wasn't the advertising you were talking about.
1: No, let's talk about native advertising as it pertains to basically editorialized or content driven advertising so you know you go on a website and there's the typical ad right and there's always been these google pay-per-click or the you know these kinds of things I, that's so funny i say there there's always been like but you and i both remember a world before google
0: yes absolutely
1: <laughs> which can you believe
0: you know, no, I, know. My kids I don't even know not. how we survived how did you get through school how did you come internet?
1: out of the birth canal without my, google <laughs>
0: seriously <laughs> Have Google Maps to do that.
1: Right, right. Turn left, turn left. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, but native advertising, I don't care if it's a contest or some kind of editorial embedded video or whatever, but you know, it, it's basically that kind of advertising that is sponsored, but Really doesn't look like your typical advertising. It got really big this year, and the metrics have yet to catch up with it. People don't know if it's a good deal, and everybody has their own opinion. You read anything in the advertising world, and everybody has a very particular opinion. (laughs) But what I wanted to ask you a few questions about this morning is specifically about what happens with the talent, because I hear from my clients all the time that they simply cannot write for themselves or write professionally. And I totally don't mean to knock anyone at all because everybody has a different skill. And because I'm a good writer, you're a good writer, you and I can't even imagine not sitting down and crafting great writing. Yeah.
0: Well, I I think that's so funny because, uh, I mean, when you said that, that you've run into a lot of clients that can't even write for themselves. And I'm just my jaw's kind of hanging open because I'm going, "Oh my gosh, who would know better about their own company than the client?" But I guess I guess maybe because it's one of those things that has always been in me. I mean, I I don't think I really learned how to write creatively. It was just something that was inside of me that that came out. Did you
1: think at some point in your childhood did it seriously cross your mind that you would be an author?
0: No. It's No. That was like the absolute farthest thing from my mind. I mean, I, honestly, to be me Uh, There were two. When I was growing up, there were uh, two things that I wanted to be. I wanted to be an undertaker, and I wanted to be an actor. Those were the two things. Those were my only two things on my radar. Oh
1: my gosh! You needed to get a spot on Six Feet Under. I know. All of your dreams in one fell swoop, Dan. Oh,
0: see, that would have been that. Once (laughs) again, that train has left the station.
1: I did have a time period where I really wanted to be a writer, and I still do, actually. But I do, the most quintessential thing that I remember in my childhood, and my family jokes with me about it all the time, right. is when I was little, and I'd have to ask my mom how old I was, but I told her that I wanted to be a truck driver and an opera singer. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, somebody in my family piped up, well, that'd be great, you won't even need the C you'll just be like, I am coming,
0: <laughs>
1: move over, you know, yes. whatever. Breaker
0: 1-9, breaker the opera. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That is hilarious.
1: That might be the most odd moment in our podcast. It could very
0: well be. Yes, I think you, I'm going to send you an award for that.
1: I think there are more coming in our future. So I did want to be a writer. I still do want to be a writer. And my sister is an excellent writer. She has degrees for it, but kind of, uh, you know, in my blood, my dad's a preacher. So of course he's writing every week. It's like, that seems very natural to me. My husband's a writer, but, and they have other skills. Like I say, I don't mean to diminish other things that they bring to the table, but it does take me by surprise. But what I, to bring that back to the content that is needed to drive native advertising, I do do think at some point we're going to just run out of talent for it.
0: Really? See, <laughs> yeah. see, I'll, I'll, I'll take the opposite side of that. I actually think that there is such an abundant pool of talent out there that has yet to be discovered mm-hmm. because I think, and I'm just going to throw this out there, since I was a magazine writer, right? when I walk into a store, I always just walk by the magazine rack and see what's still there because in all honesty, the publishing company I used to work for has now lost over 13 titles that they folded because of online content that has been taking it over, it would seem that there's not a lot of need for the old school journalist like mm-hmm. you would find in newspapers, magazines, or print, mm-hmm. let's just say print in general okay. and it seems like it's being overtaken by this new generation of bloggers mm-hmm. and online content creators, which I admittedly I do that as well, right, but I think that there is such a, an abundance out there of great writers of creative. Incredibly creative writers. If you just go out and just Google blogs and just start Mm -hmm. digging, you'll find some amazingly funny stuff and very creative and talented people. So I don't think it's a matter of, of finding talent as much as it is finding people who are empathetic, aware, and attuned to others if that okay. makes sense. Yeah.
1: I totally agree with you, And I, but I'm going to play the devil's advocate a little bit, okay. and I'm going to refine a little bit of what I said because the reality is right now, native advertising, content marketing, whatever you want to call it, is very expensive because you have to pay a writer to sit down and go, hmm, I'm thinking, I'm right. thinking, and come up with a clever idea, right? And write something around it, and as we all know, it's much more difficult to write something short than it is to write something long. Mark Twain said it best when he said, Uh, I was going to write you a short letter, but I didn't have the time, so I wrote you a long one. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I blogged about this a little bit, the idea that, come on, pare it down. Tell me what you want to tell me in a shorter version, because this going on, I I cannot stand most business books that could have told me their method or their experience or whatever it is they were trying to convey to me in eight pages, but they took 103 pages of a book I had to purchase which to me, I hope that dies out at some point.
0: Well, well they had to justify the, uh, the, the 10 or $15 for the paper. <laughs> exactly, and the cover and exactly.
1: You know what, I, if they would have just told me at the beginning, this book is really great in eight pages, will you still give me 15?
0: Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> give me my minutes back for my life. Exactly. Anyway, I, this is kind of a, a long elliptical conversation here, but what I'm trying to say is we're used to having to write a lot for some money, mm-hmm. right? And so I think what I mean by we don't have enough talent is not that there aren't enough creative people out there, and I would retract that statement in, in that particular way, but the people who are willing to understand the value of what three sentences is worth oh. to a client is not there yet.
0: Yes, that is true. That Okay, now I see what you're saying. I
1: have so much writing that needs to be done at my company, and I am the only writer at my really? company. Yes. And I can't seem to get one because when I, I need really quality three sentences or the one sentence for ad copy, you've got a headline. That's all you've got. And so you can't, it's a, it's a small little project, right? But it's actually of such high value because it's so hard to write exactly what you need in eight words. And so to me, there's this like disconnect right now of being able to pay someone. Look, what's the value of me having you write eight words? Right. It's so
0: hard. And right now. So what do you do? I mean, how how do you. I write it
1: myself. (laughs) (laughs) Or I call you. I, I don't know. I, I throw that back at you. I don't have the answer, Dan. Mm. Tell me as a writer, you've been you, you've done so much freelancing, you've done in-house
0: writing. you've right. been
1: around the block. I mean, how many decades have you been writing commercially?
0: Uh, well, since 1985 okay. yeah three, 1985 is when I got three. hired as a yeah. as a writer.
1: Right. So kind of tell me a little bit about how that, what are your freelance jobs, how they've changed from then to now?
0: Well, just to give you a, a thumbnail sketch of background, I I didn't want to be a writer. That was a, the farthest thing from my mind. When I moved down to Southern California from Northern California, I got a job at a, I was uh, driving forklifts at a VW car parts warehouse. <laughs> I know, right?
1: I'm going to promise to not be surprised with anything that comes oh, out Oh yeah.
0: Of no, it, it, okay. honestly, it's like, yeah, it's it's really crazy. Okay. And I had this beat-up old Volkswagen. And, I mean, it was thrash. I had to have bungee cords to keep the hood <laughs> down. It had paint was falling off of it. I mean, it, it also, didn't have bumpers. It had those Nerf bars, but they were only held on by one bolt, so they kept falling over. And my manager knew the editorial director of the now defunct VW Trends nice, magazine. Yeah. And he said... He said, yeah, you know, Bob's coming over from VW Trends. And I said, oh, that's awesome. Maybe he can do an article on my car. And Sam, my boss at the time, laughed. And he said, yeah, 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 we'll call it the pile of the month. And I go, that's a great idea. Let me let me write it. And he goes, what? He goes, let me write that. And so he asked Bob. And Bob said, well, that sounds kind of funny. Have him write up a, a one page and get it to me. Now, I'd never touched a typewriter in my life.
1: Are you kidding me? I
0: It took me that first story, which was maybe 300 words. Like, it took me a good seven hours. Mostly because I had to find the letters on the typewriter, like, with one <laughs> finger. <laughs> T-H, no. oh, crap. Where was that E? Oh, so, oh And my so gosh. I wrote it up, finally got it done. I mean, I'm sure it had thousands of mistakes. And I gave it to Sam. Sam gave it to Bob. Bob called me, like, the next day, and he goes, he goes, this is the funniest thing I've ever read. Do you want a job? And I went, uh, sure, I guess. And so I, I don't
1: know. I really like this forklift. Yeah,
0: this, <laughs> this is my fit. Can I bring the forklift lift with me? And oh, so that's how gosh. I got the job. And so I had to sort of learn learn the ropes as I went. And and as the years went by, I really started getting more proficient where I'd use two or three fingers on the typewriter. and <laughs> uh, But I, I started learning sentence structure. And thank God my editor over me was an English major. Oh. Because, I mean, I got Ds and, well, sometimes Fs in English in high school. is horrible.
1: Damn, that
0: better. I know. It's just the weirdest <laughs> thing. And so then... So I started writing, and then I started noticing that I was getting better, and I started learning how to craft sentences and paragraphs and say the most with fewest words and that whole thing. But it's so funny that that you we're talking about this because I remember after I left the magazine and I went freelance, mm-hmm. and uh, this car stereo company wanted to hire me to write these press releases, and the guy was and I'd known the guy before and we were friends, and he said, "Look, I need some copy. I need it really, really funny, and I just need it." very lighthearted conversational and this and that and he gave me the parameters i wrote all the parameters down and i did the, i did the piece And i sent it to him he calls me back he goes this is not what we're looking for i go oh, wow. what do you mean it's what do you mean it's not what you're looking for he, he, i said you wanted funny conversational lighthearted and informative and I, I went through the whole piece he goes he goes yeah all those things are there but this isn't what we want and i go y- you told me right. this is like this is like asking me to bake a cake and then i bake you a cake and you call me back and go no 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 we wanted an eclair
1: yeah, yeah. No, my sister has this problem all the time. She does very customized murals, or like restaurants. They have these specialized textures, or you know, paint oh, right, right. applications, or something like that. But then she also gets commission pieces for homes, and so she'll do, you know, she'll work with the customer the whole mood board. I mean, the works. Like walk you through everything, color scheme, blah blah blah, everything, and she'll finish. A custom piece of artwork that's been commissioned, and at the reveal, oh, that looks great, but I want mine in green. But no, this is yours.
0: You you don't understand.
1: (laughs) This thing right here belongs to you, and I would like my check. So, yeah, you had mentioned that before when we talked about how clients, they say they want one thing, but they really want another. Yes. And how frustrating that can be. But for a writer, it's, you know, it really, I think, is not any different than creating art for us, putting graphics down on a page, a logo, a branding proposal, or my sister, you know, providing a piece of custom art, you know, whatever that is, it is that same, no matter, you know, no matter how much good effective questioning strategies you can ask the client, you feel like you got something very clear about what they wanted. Right. And then that's not what they want. You know, I don't know.
0: That's what's so funny. It's almost, I get this feeling, and this is just from a writer's standpoint, so please please hear me correctly when I say this. It almost feels like people think well, it's just words you can rewrite it <laughs> right, and I' go you don't you don't understand it's like I sat down and I had to think and I like the way my mind work it's like I'll I'll come up with an idea that I have and then I'll look at their product I'll see the product line that they want me to write about and I'll start to draw the parallels about that product and see how can I weave this into a interesting and fun scenario and so I work I rework that and then I mean it takes hours it takes hours and I think that's the thing that people don't understand it's not like you just sit down and go you know, oh, I'll just uh, whip open the laptop and knock this out in 10 minutes, and here you go, thanks for the check. They're I, really...
1: love, I love that you said the word process. You have a process there. I think it was Stephen King on his book on writing who talks about erasing your footsteps. Yes. You know, did you read that book?
0: I did. I love oh, that book.
1: Oh, gosh, what a good book. So getting all the way, you know, you got somewhere, and then finally you hit this rhythm and you're somewhere. And because it's so much work in the process, a not-so-good writer wants to leave everything in. Yes. And he says, go back and erase your footsteps. And I think it's Annie Lamott or it could be Annie Dillard. I'm, I'm sorry that I don't remember who it is because it was a great thing. I think they put it this way. Kill your babies.
0: Oh, yeah. I think that was Annie Lamott.
1: Yeah. So
0: yeah. Uh, another fantastic
1: writer. but. You know, that idea that we have a process, I may send a logo over to a client and they look at it and there's two schools of thoughts here where people say, send them three versions to take a look at and see what they like. Another school of thought, which believe me, these two schools are very in opposition to each other as an agency, send them the one that's right. Right. (laughs) A little bit of egotism, egotism in that, in my opinion, but I get sometimes what it is. We have a process And if we've truly gone through the paces and done our work, we should be able to provide one. So I I get both, you know, schools of thought, but it's because they look at that and they think, oh, just that, all that money for just that? No, no. You want to see the pages and pages and pages of work?
0: Yeah, right, you know, exactly. Every
1: lightbox exercise, every session, and, and how many times we researched to see, make sure that we weren't making an image that was somehow familiar with a com- competitor or right. so much other work. They can't see that. You've erased your footsteps and you've killed your babies. So now you're left with what you believe is your best foot forward, your best product, and that is difficult when it doesn't match.
0: Well, as when off time happens... Priscilla and I forgot to watch the clock, and we went and rambled on for a good bit. So we're going to go ahead and end it here, and we'll pick up on our next podcast where we left off. So thanks for listening, folks, and as always, we'd love to hear your comments, so you can leave them on our Facebook page, on the Little Bird website, or wherever you downloaded this podcast from. So for the Little Bird Marketing Company, the home of cage-free thinking, this is Dan Ledbetter along with Priscilla McKinney saying have a great day.